Southern Soul Livestream is a weekly talk show and music hangout where the hosts learn your name and just might remind you of a favorite relative. We spotlight fascinating people, discuss current events, and pay special attention to lifting up generations. So if you want to know more, learn more, be more, or just be, Southern Soul Livestream is the place for you. Join us every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Just log on, kick back, and experience the eclectic vibe. Check us out at soullivestream.com. So tonight, I am excited to cover a topic that's been a long time coming. And I have Miss Holly Toodle Reed, CPA, to walk us through a topic that is very, 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 let's say, difficult, but fun. And one thing I love is we cannot have a better person to cover this topic because, y'all, she is filled with energy. She knows the topic. She knows the people. But before um, I get started, let me give you guys a background into why we selected this topic. Basic money skills are essential to teens leading happy, healthy lives. But many don't learn these things at home from their parents. Managing money is an important life skill, but too many teens simply don't have that opportunity. Why? Because their parents aren't comfortable teaching them. For too long, parents have struggled to talk to their teens about money. Parenting teens doesn't, you know, by itself is difficult enough, but it doesn't have to be. With the proper learning, support, and budget, guidance on saving investing your teens can learn wealth management at an early age tonight we have miss holly toodle she is a certified financial education instructor and award-winning author of teach your child to fish five money habits every child should master Holly is on a mission to equip adults and the next generation with the knowledge and tools to break the cycle of paycheck to paycheck living. Holly's philosophy is grounded in the basic principles of living debt free, saving for the future and investing wisely. She has educated thousands of people through her financial legacy resources, speaking engagements, and coaching sessions using sound financial principles, practical tips, and personal experiences. All right, Miss Holly, I am so excited. Thank you for having me. This is, I'm already having a good time with the culture tags, the nice little icebreaker. <laughs> well, thank you, thank you, thank you. You know, we, we try to have a good time, you know, and um, sometimes we have a, uh, on theme, I was thinking about having a financial quiz, but decided not to do that. I didn't want to, you know, get people. <laughs> Maybe we'll have a financial quiz next week, right? <laughs> so, so, so I know, you know, we've been kind of talking about this for a while, but I tell you where it actually originally stemmed from. We were doing a segment called "The Young, Gifted, and Black," and we were really talking about the next generation. You know these you know young adults in their 20s and they're focused on entrepreneurship and they're just out there trying to live their best life but based on some of the things that we have learned corporate 
ain't gonna solve all your problems, right? That's so right. some of the questions came out, such as financial management, and you know, at that point, I said, you know what, we need to find an expert, and that's when I was looking, 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 and we found you. So I'm excited for you to be here. Well, I'm a, I'm glad you guys found me. I'm happy to be here. I'm I'm ready to to jump right in this conversation. <laughs> awesome. So tell us about you, Holly. For for people you know who don't know, tell us about who you are and how you got into this extreme debt management elimination life. Yeah, absolutely. So the, uh, the how I got into this space was really based off of my own personal experiences with money, my own, you know, mistakes and me overcoming that situation. But like many of us, I grew up where my parents, um, you know, tried to equip me with everything that they thought I would need, right? They they made sure education was a priority. That was going to be the great, you know, push that make that differentiates us and sets me and my sisters on a successful path. They, um, you know, they taught me, my dad gave us a lot of money advice. He'd say, Holly, you know, you need to save some of your money. You need, you don't need to spend all of your money here or there. But what was missing, Calvin, what was missing was they never showed us how. First of all, because there wasn't any extra money in the household for us to be playing around with and, and making mistakes with. But while they gave us, you know, good, solid advice, we never knew how. And so I jumped into the space to try to close that gap, to try to give people a roadmap, to try to give them some kind of blueprint or or um, steps that they can follow on what they should be teaching their kids before they leave the nest, okay? And so, you know, my, my parents kind of set an expectation for me and my sisters. And one of those expectations was, okay, when you graduate from college, so they wanted us all to go to college. Once you graduate from college, the first thing I want you guys to do is to buy a house, right? And so we pretty much all did that. And so by the age of 23, I had met their expectations of what they wanted me to do in life. I went to uh, North Carolina A&T in Greensboro, North Carolina, graduated with honors um, in, with an accounting degree. And I'm going to talk about that just a little bit later. Um, was working for one of the more, most successful public accounting firms in the city of Atlanta. And um, at the time, I mean, I was pretty much the epitome of young and successful, right? I was at the top of my game. I was living above my means. I was doing everything our America teaches us to do, which is to uh, accumulate debt. I was accumulating debt. I was living high on the hog. I wasn't thinking about tomorrow. And so much so, like that's what America teaches us. And then I got hit with a corporate layoff, okay? I was hit with a corporate layoff. And, um, you know, I, and the firm that I was working with, you know, lost clients and, and here I was calling myself the epitome of success. And now I'm out of a job. And I was devastated. I wasn't ready. My feelings were hurt. I was humiliated. And it took everything I had to crawl back to my parents to say, hey, um, I just lost my job. Now I got this house over here. I've racked up all this credit card debt. I took out student loans. Like, what am I supposed to do? Now, 
I did not want to have that conversation. But luckily, my parents were in a place at that time where they could kind of help me. Like, you know, they were kind of covering the bases while I went out and found um, more employment. Okay. And so I consider that a blessing and an anomaly because not everybody has that kind of safety net once they are out of their parents' house. Right. And so, but what that taught me, what that experience taught me is that I vowed I would never be in that situation again. That was my rock bottom. That was my wake up call that I was so naive, so ill prepared for the unexpected. And I never wanted to feel that shame and humiliation that I felt having to go back to my parents after all they've done for me um, and say, I, I didn't make it. I didn't cut it. I, 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 didn't, I didn't get everything that I knew you guys taught me to do. Um, and so that's why I teach what I teach. That's why I teach everything that I learn now to generations coming behind us so that they can avoid these pitfalls. Awesome. Awesome. You know, Holly, I, I really appreciate your story. And sometimes, you know, when we find people to um, interview in spotlight, I always say this, I'm looking for fascinating people. And I love your story because it's extremely fascinating. Because it's obvious, right? You in Atlanta, you established, you know, you got your Aggie pride, you know, they everywhere, right? They in the chat. You can't, you, they everywhere, right? So you are doing your thing. You in ATL, living your best life, right? Good family, you know, established by 23. Yet, something happens. Right. And when that something happens, you, you've reminded me that sometimes people don't have those adverse situations. Sometimes people don't have that. And you reminded me that as you told your story, I said, that's her passion. Oh. That's that thing that drives her. Yeah. And, you know, as parents, you know, we do these things to protect the kids. But it's something about the passion that you just talked about. I mean, it just drives us in a whole way. But I want to get on that because, you know, I get all, you know, you know, choked up, whatever. But such an awesome story. Thank you for being vulnerable. Thank and you. thank you for sharing it for us. Absolutely. Let's talk about. Go ahead. Let me just add. That's important, though. Like everybody has a story. Money is a very personal thing. And so I'm sure everyone on this call has had uh, an experience money experience with money, whether that was positive or negative that probably changed their trajectory of spending or at least triggered for them. Like I got a problem. I need to do something different. Um, I need to go in a different direction. Um, but those are often the things that, that teach us, you know, how to proceed. Right. And, um, no, no one person is going to know everyone's story. So I try to infuse like what really happened, what went down, how, you know, how was I feeling about it? What did I think? And so for me, it was really like I have failed my parents. They said they they told me exactly what to do. I did exactly what they did and what they told me to do. And yet there was still this um, unexpected and there's always going to be the unexpected, which is why we've got to get our kids um, prepared for that. Right. So that they'll know how to pivot and shift and be ready when something along the way comes and disrupts the plan. 
Amen. I, I love it. I love it. I love it. Now, tell me this. You know, you are a certified public accountant, right? And yep. I know those people. I don't know what they do. What, what does that mean? Does that mean you do taxes? I mean, what does that mean, right? <laughs> and, so and, 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 go ahead. Yeah. So there are CPAs that focus on taxes, and that's usually what the first. That's the first thing that people think about. Yeah. Um, but CPAs, they also audit financial statements of large companies, which is what I primarily did in my in my corporate career, um, doing accounting and, you know, making sure people we're certifying that everybody is doing it correctly and not cheating the system. Uh, so, yeah, but most people automatically assume taxes. Taxes was not my passion, although I do them still for members of my family and for myself i do not do it externally <laughs> awesome awesome so tell me how, how does that like how do you think that may have influenced your working you know with families and coaching i mean is that cpa is it kind of helpful as a backdrop but did it give you a certain discipline or is it totally not related no i um you know what i could be a little cynical so i'll, I'll give you my 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 cynical answer first and then I'll share more on why I'm being cynical. So first, um, it gives me credibility. It, it tells people, you know, it shows people what I'm capable of, uh, capable of. It builds that trust factor, right? You know, um, and the reason I'm a little cynical about that is because I now know that we are conditioned. We are um, trained to believe Americans are conditioned and trained to believe that you have to be formally educated in something in order to be an expert, in order to be good at it. Um, and so I will say, you know, it it did help. But the reason why I'm cynical about it is because here I am, an accounting major, graduated with honors, CPA, uh, auditing million dollar Fortune 500 companies yet I couldn't manage my own personal finances, right? Uh -huh. And so that that tells you something, right? So the education system, what they're teaching us is, you know, is not helping, it's not, they aren't making the connection in how we individually should be applying it to our personal finances. And so I highlight, I highlight that because people may hold a certain degree up to a certain standard, oh, well, you're a, you're a mental health professional. Wouldn't you know if your child, if your teen was depressed? No, not necessarily if it's right under your nose or if they know how to cope or hide the symptoms or whatever. So it's, it's very similar with, with professionals. So while the CPA and, a, and the accounting degree, that work experience gave me, um, again, experience, taught me how to speak, corporate speak, taught me how, you know, gave me perspectives, um, introduced me largely to the disparities of, of wealth in America, like being in that industry and just seeing how, um, I, I have another story here. So one of, one of the things when I was working for this public accounting firm is, you know, they want, they want to grab your, their diverse hires and take them on recruiting trips to big schools so you know they can show their diversity. And when you go on these recruiting um, trips, you know, you talk to all the people, then they then they decide, okay, we wanna, we wanna make an offer to these people. And one of the disparities I saw 
is that when they would hire um, candidates, high-performing honor students from HBCUs, um, they would offer them like a $2,000 interest-free loan so that those hires could go and refresh their wardrobe, maybe put down deposits if they were moving from a different city and they needed, you know, money, startup money to put down security deposits and that type of thing. But then hires from um, PWI institutions, they would give them signing bonuses, uh -huh. $2,000 signing bonuses. So I was like, well, why are they getting signing bonuses? But these students are getting interest-free loans. And um, the response that I got at the time was, oh, well, it's really competitive at these schools. And so this is just another incentive um, for them to come and work for us. And I just, I immediately saw the inequity in that, right? Like immediately. And I was like, they don't, they don't see this. <laughs> they don't see this is not right. This is not equal. This is not fair. These, these kids are busting their tails, but they don't, we don't know what to ask for because we've, you know, it's our first time we're first generation working in corporate America. So half the time we don't even know what to ask for, what to look out for, um, to know that this stuff is going on behind the scenes. But that just kind of sets the stage um, as to why our parents and generations before us thought it was so important, why, why they thought education was so important. It was gonna be the great equalizer. And in many cases, it is, it, it definitely helps. They can never take it away from you. They can't say, you know, but, often there's still that inequity behind the scenes that we may just not have knowledge of. Awesome, man, Holly, I, you, girl, you preach. That's all I can say. We can talk <laughs> about anything tonight because I can tell you just pulling it from everywhere. You know, I often call our generation that I have a dream generation and that commission was go out and get educated, go out and get that. And then we integrate corporate America, right? And with this integration of corporate Americanism, there's this great hope, but then all of a sudden you discover, mm, just like every other place, there's some inequities, right? Yeah. Just like, there's, and I always tell people there's no civil bullet. There's no do this one thing, get your education, it'll be fine. Do this one thing, right? Right. Because there's always the complexities. I, I can't even say it right now, but you've discovered that. And what I took away from your story, the CPA has very value. It proves what you can do but it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be good at this coaching and what makes you good at this coaching i'm already going to call it is that passion that passion that comes from the story the cpa is the credentials that say i can do you know i can do the hard problems and sophistication but that don't mean i'm going to really really help your child <laughs> what's going to allow me to help your child is this passion that holly brings from her own story and i love how you describe it you say i felt like i had let my parents down and i love the love of parents because i can imagine how they prepared you all you and your sisters and when you went back how they supported you and they also surrounded you with love but that is an awesome story thank you so tell yeah, me this it, it, go I ahead call it um you call it passion now nowadays i call it purpose, purpose? i know there's mm -hmm. there's purpose behind it. 
Um, I've worked with a number of families now at this point or, you know, taught enough kids to see the impact. Like I am literally planting seeds and the seeds can be planted from many different places, not just me. It could be planted from, you know, uh, people they look up to, whether that's celebrities, books they read where they're getting different information, different perspectives, um, you know, financial educators like myself, it can come from different places. But the point of this is it's got, it's got to come from home too, right? Yeah. It's got to come from the parents. I tell my parents, you guys are your kid's first financial advisor. And um, I know that money and money management may be an intimidating topic, especially if the parents, um, you know, aren't good at it. Like, you know, we be truthful. A lot of adults aren't good at managing money. <laughs> um, yeah. No one ever taught them how to do it or how to go about it. But here's the thing, whether you're good at it or bad at it, we all have experience with it. And so where you where parents can come in, whether they're, you know, good at it or not, they can always share their experiences with their children, with their teenagers, with their preteens and tweens, right? Start telling them this stories. When, what was the first, um, I did a post earlier this week about starting money conversations with your kids and just opening it up by being vulnerable and sharing, you know, what's the biggest money mistake you made as a teenager or a young adult? Like, what was that big money mistake? What did you learn from it? Um, and just kind of opening the door that way and just seeing what questions they have, talking about different things, what would they have done in that situation, you know? So we just got to start talking about it and not making it a taboo topic in, in our homes and in our communities. You know, I, I love that because it definitely shows me how you, it influences your approach, right? You don't just work with the teens, you also work with the parents. Oh, yeah. And, and it seems like you're very, very aware of these cultural strongholds, these taboos, we call them, right? <laughs> these taboos to where, oh, let's not talk about money or let's hide that. So what do you, I mean, do you have to really spend some time with parents to get them comfortable with that? Because, you know, certain families, they spend a lot of time keeping that stuff hidden. I mean, are parents typically resistant? What do you experience? Absolutely. Um, especially culturally in minority communities and black families, we're like, that's none of their business. This is grown people business. And, you know, we get into that, you know, do as I say, not as I do mode. So you don't have to tell all your business. You don't have to, you don't have to let everything out the bag. <laughs> but I do think it's important to just start having those conversations so they, they can ask questions or, or generate some curiosity uh, where you might drop a little something and then they'll be like, well, wait, what happened? You know, like talking to your kids about, you know, the very first thing I saved for as a teenager was concert tickets to go see the Jackson five. I stood in line all night at turtles record shop to wait and get those tickets. And then when we got inside, we were in the nosebleed section, but you can talk about like what you did to save the money, how much the tickets were back then. Back then, the tickets were probably like $25, but $25 25 years ago was a lot of money for, you know, people who didn't have a lot of money. <laughs> 
So, you know, just, just sharing your personal experiences, being vulnerable, like pick and choose, you know, and then if it gets too personal, you can cut it off. You can, you can be like, you might be too young to know all the rest of those details, but you know, one day we can talk about it. <laughs> well, you know, you reminded me of my first experiences with money management and it's exactly what you said it was. It was the stories. You know, I still remember the days of my, my dad's like, well, gas used to be five cents. I don't know why anybody paid five cents for gas, right? <laughs> but I do know <laughs> that I remember when gas was 77 cents. It was sometime in the 70s, right? And I do remember that. And I remember this whole price of gas between my dad's story of five cents and me physically seeing it being 77 cents. Uh, and it made me think, what is going on with money? Because if you really don't know, you think it's always the same. Another one is movie tickets, right? right. The, the, the price of movie tickets. And Lord knows, I remember it used, it used to be $5. I don't know how much it costs now, but it feels like $20 when you go to the movies. And more, right? Yes. Especially if you get food and snacks and it's, it can be a $100 bill by the time you get out of the movie theater. So, so yeah. So, I mean, listen, a, a lot of us don't know, but you know, the difference in those prices between 50 years ago, 20 years ago, and today is about inflation. All right, maybe you don't you don't know inflation, but this is the perfect opportunity for you to learn alongside your child. Go tell them to go look it up and report it back to you. You tell me, you go look up inflation and you come back and tell me what inflation means and what it is. And, you know, just encourage, like we don't have to know all the answers. We don't have to know all the answers. And I know that's probably one of the biggest things I see, you know, parents kind of cringe at because they don't want to come off as not having all the answers. Um, but one thing I always say, it's difficult to master something you've never been taught. And a lot of us have never been taught um, anything about healthy money habits. Most of our money habits, we pick up from observation watching what other people do, how other people maneuver with their money. Um, or, you know, we, we learn by mimicking others. And when they're young, we think it's cute when they dress like us or they dance like us or they say certain things like us. But they're also watching how you might be avoiding a creditor or talking about a credit card bill, you know, because you you don't want to pay the bill. Like they hear all this stuff and they're picking up and figuring out what your relationship is with money, how they should be um, treating money and credit. And do they just buy everything or do they hear you talking about, you know what, I need to save. I need to save some money for this or I need to put away money for this because I want to give to this charity or give to this foundation? Like what are the conversations that are happening organically that you can pull them into um, that could turn into a money lesson without it being a money lecture, right? Especially these teenagers, they don't wanna hear nothing we got mm -hmm. to say. But mm -hmm. while they don't wanna hear it, they are listening. They are listening, they paying attention it's, it's getting, it's getting uh, etched in their brains and in their minds. Um, so we do have to be, as much as we can, good role models and model 
the good behavior, but also it's important for us to talk about it. Awesome. You know, Ali, I love how you break it down, right? Because you've taken this topic that, as we said, taboo, mystical, scary, and you've alleviated a lot of pressure in today's conversation. So I can see you working with parents because you, once again, you understand the pain points, you understand the culture. And a lot of times people don't understand the culture nuances, right? Like the culture tags. So tell me this, what other unique challenges may you have seen? Because part of what we do with this uh, show is we try to bring out the community component, right? Because I already know everything you're preaching is right on point, not because of what you're saying, it's because I know Dave Ramsey has built a multi-million dollar following preaching this for the majority population. Yep. But nobody's really breaking it down for us. You see what I'm trying to say? Nobody knows our fears and our phobia. So you're going to be my personal, you know, you know, (laughs) the the Dave Ramsey for the community, right? But what other challenges do you see that uniquely affect us? You know, other taboos, other strongholds, other things that hold us back? Yeah. And um, a lot of some other things that I see specifically um, with this generation is a lack of interest. Like I get a lot of parents who say, oh, Holly, I love what you're doing. I want to put my child in your workshop or in your camp, but that, he's not really talking about money. He's not really, you know, interested in, or she's not really thinking about money. And you have to take a step back at some point and be like, okay, well, is this something that you would want them to know? And do you want them to know it now while they're 12, 13, 14? Or do you want them to figure it out once they're 21 and 22 coming back to you to say, okay, I'm done with college. I'm coming back (laughs) to move in (laughs) or I'm not going to college um, because I see all of these examples of people making it big, you know, being a YouTube influencer or being a rapper or being an athlete. I'm not going to college. I'm just going to do me, see how that works. Um, but I'm going to stay here under your roof while I figure that out. So, you know, at some point, whether they're interested or not, I'm sure there were lots of things I wasn't interested in, but my parents um, set the expectation and said, this is something I want you to learn. This is something you're going to need. Money management is a life skill. It is a life skill. It's just as important as learning to read, learning to write, learning to do basic arithmetic um, because once you start earning money once you start managing money that is a skill that will serve you well if you have practiced um, healthy money habits or it will it will do you dirty if you don't know if there's a lack of knowledge right so it can put you in a real bind so my philosophy is the sooner you start the better off right So I don't care if they're four years old, five years old at four and five, they can say, you know, we got our, our kids are telling us, you tell them, no, we don't have the money for that. And then it'll be like, oh, just use your credit card. Well, wait a minute. (laughs) How, you know, what's a credit card, smarty pants? How does that work? (laughs) So, um, so yeah, just start early and have these conversations but also try to find ways to help allow them to practice money management, especially while they have the safety net of making a 10 or $20 mistake under your supervision. 
because the the mistakes once they leave the house can be thousands and thousands of dollars that could really set them back uh, many many years. So the you asked, I think you asked me, what are some of the challenges I see? Is um, one lack of interest, and then the parents just go with the flow, like. My kids aren't interested. They aren't talking about it. So I'm not going to push this upon them. Um, the other thing I see is um, just apathy, indifference towards the topic um, or parents or the child is working. The teenager is working and the parents have set no expectations for the child. I've had parents come to me and say, Holly, my son is working, but all he does is spend his money on Air Jordans or he goes and buys the latest, you know, clothes or games or whatever. And I was like, oh, well, what expectations did you set? Like, what did you set for him? Because, you know, they think I'm the team thinks I'm working. This is my money. But as the parent, you're still the coach. You're still the guide. You're still the advisor. So my recommendation is always, all right, let's sit down. You're going to start working. All right, let's see how much money you're you're going to potentially be making. This is my expectation of how you're going to use this money. Either you're going to start paying your stream, your, your streaming service bill, your cell phone bill. You'll be responsible for, you know, the gas, keeping up with the gas or keeping up with the oil changes if you're driving or, you know, but also... I fully expect you to put a cert this amount away for savings, but that's where the teaching and the coaching comes in and the showing them how versus just giving them generic advice. Like my parents did, you need to save some of your money. Okay, I need to save some of my money. For what? For why? Y'all are giving me any and everything that I need. Why do I need to save money? So talking to your kids about setting goals, and what should they be saving for at that age? Um, and so the cheat sheet, I'm going to give y'all an answer. The cheat sheet are is think about the things that your kids are most interested in. Or what are some big milestones coming up in your teenager's life? Like for me, when I was growing up, turning 16 was a big one. Or even turning 15, because then you could go get your learner's license. Um, you know, so... Who's going to take you, who's going to pay for the learner's permit? Who's going to pay for the driver's license? Like give them some things that they, that they can start being financially responsible for. They love Netflix to death. Then maybe they should be responsible for paying you for the Netflix service every month or get rid of it. Or, you know, what, what is it? Come up with something to give them um, a sense of responsibility and trying to build that discipline in with them and you know we can talk about budgeting and all that good stuff but it just opens the door when you set those expectations early for them to get in the habit of caring about money and how it's being used and spent you know i, I appreciate the way you describe that because i hadn't thought about it using those words but what you said is money management is a life skill i'm huge on life skills right there's all kinds of life skills, right? You know, you know, work ethic, you know, hygiene, you know, uh, education, money management. You also kind of remind us where we came from, right? Save some of your money. 
which is, once again, I call it, excuse me, that silver bullet or that, as you described it, that generic, but it doesn't really give you that practical definition that's broad enough, but specific enough. Right. So a lot has changed, but then it's like, okay, for example, so let's, let's talk about some of how things, in addition to how things have changed. A lot has changed since the times of balancing checkbooks. We now have new world digital currencies, Cash App, Venmo, Bitcoin, the devil, micropayments. Y'all don't realize in business school, we studied micropayments. Micropayments is, they ain't gonna hit you up for a lot of money. They're gonna get you for $2.99 every month. Right. <laughs> and two ninety nine dollars for every month, by the time you're done, you're gonna pay those people $2,000. But you yep. don't know you gave them $2,000 because they were just getting you for two ninety nine. Right. Micropayments, that's how they sneak your money. Yep. So much has changed. So how do you kind of bring this into your working with the teens? Because, you know, we, actually probably in school had to practice balancing a checkbook. I can't remember the last right. time I touched my checkbook, right? Exactly. So, exactly. But one thing I've learned about money is that when we used to touch it, we had a closer relationship. But now with credit cards and everything, we don't touch it anymore. So now it's invisible. It's like you, know, you were saying the children say, put it on the credit card. So what are some new um, ways that you kind of teach the parents and the uh, students about these new challenges that come with the, I call it the new financial market. Yeah. So um, with the younger kids, for certain, I I really encourage the parents to try to use cash and coins as much as possible because here's why: um, as our kids grow and mature, they may be the first generation that lives in a cashless society where there is no coins and, and dollars being exchanged. And we're pretty close there now, right? Um, and the way that it's introduced typically is through gift cards. So at a very young age, our kids start getting gift cards as gift. And that gift card is teaching them how to swipe, how to dip, how to tap, how to keep track of the dollar amount on the card. Um, they get a real quick lesson in taxes if you get a $20 gift card, you can't buy a $20 thing. Nope, because you need money to cover taxes. Um, so gift cards for our kids are really credit cards with training wheels. And then as they get older, those training wheels are going to fall off. And they're, they need to know now what those consequences are um, with these digital payments, uh, cash app, you know, it's all about the, the, the quick spin, right? And so what I, what I caution about this, I mean, that's where the technology is. So the kids are going to use it. We can't stop that. We can't really slow that down. For the younger ones, we can. Now, when we start talking about teenagers, it just it's just more convenient. So I get it. But you still need to take a step back and make sure they understand how these things work. I mean, the teenagers I'm working with, they, can, they have trouble explaining to me the difference between a debit card and a credit card. Like they don't even know the difference. And so, but here we are, you know, money disappearing, exchanging hands pretty quickly or exchanging wallets pretty quickly. Um, the danger with that is it's like you're, you're not spending real money, right? Because you don't have that psychological attachment. Um, and so those, those electronic payments are instant. Um, if you slip up and make a mistake and send it to somebody that wasn't that was that it wasn't intended for, 
you probably can say goodbye to it because it's not too many people who will refund it. They'll be like, oh, somebody just sent me something via cash yet. <laughs> well, they call it a blessing, right? <laughs> right. We call that a blessing. Yes. Don't block your blessings. Um, but it can it can stir up those impulse purchases. And um, often there's no taking it back. So no coming back with a receipt and give me my stuff back. Nope, I got your cash and now we're we're good to go. But these electronic payments, we we do have to um, just make sure our kids are educated. They know how it works, what they're doing, um, you know, what they're what they're spending it on. Because what what happens is because the transactions are so instant, it leaves very little room for um, self-correction, right? So if I wanted to buy some shoes for $150 and I had to pay cash with it, it's a different feeling when I have to count out all those 20s and 10s and hand it over to somebody. I'm, I'm thinking about this thing the whole time, right? Versus just sending it, uh, using a card or swiping a card or sending somebody some money via cash app. Then you have buyer's remorse and then you go through that whole cycle so you just, we just need to make sure our kids are educated on how it works. Um, I do try to recommend using cash as much as possible, but I, I know we're, we're in this space now where that's almost like impossible. Um, but even the parents, I mean, I'm on TikTok and there's a, there's a parent saying, Hey, I want to, I want to get cash out for my eight-year-old. I'm like, no. Wow. <laughs> No, there are other there are uh, there are alternatives. They got debit cards now in different apps like um, Goal Setter, Greenlight, Go Henry, where the where the parents can fund the account and monitor how the spending is going. Again, just giving you that opportunity to coach and guide your kids along the way. Talk about the purchases. You know, th these are opportunities to have open dialogue. What do you expect them to be using their money for or spending the money on? Um, but it also they often also have like some kind of financial education element to it where the kids take quizzes or, you know, th they're learning something um, along with it, which is why I like the alternatives to cash app. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. So let's talk about the master playbook, your right. company, right? You know, and for the audience, you know, we're going to save time for you to um, ask Holly some direct questions so we hadn't forgot about you. But before we open it up to questions and discussion, let's talk about the master playbook, this business that you created out of this purpose. Thank you for a, a new word, this purpose driven. It's almost like a mission that you have. Tell us what services you offer. Um, we're going to put in the chat how people can find your website. Tell us, you know, what workshop, what courses, what things can people expect from you? Yeah, absolutely. So if you go to themasterplaybook.com, one of the key things I've been really laser focused on trying to reach this next generation. So um, I usually start as young as 10 up through 18 and then um, tackling the college uh, population separately. Um, but really just trying to reach them to start planting these seeds before they get too far along and find themselves 
in some real financial trouble. So for, I would say for the 10 to 14 year olds, I offer a money camp for kids. Right now, I offer that as a live, uh, as a live um, camp. So it's like a four week camp where we go through money fundamentals, right? Um, talking to them at their level, giving them examples on how they can earn money at their age, save and invest money, um, you know, talking about giving back. A lot of people don't talk about philanthropy and giving back because we are raising our kids in such a self-absorbed culture that we got to teach our kids to have empathy and we got to talk to our kids about giving, right? Um, just to keep that legacy going. Now for our 14 and up, our teenagers, I do um, a monthly workshop on, I call them smart money move workshops for teens and we tackle a different topic. So there was one where um, we talked about credit one-on-one, -on -one, right? So giving them the basics on how credit works because I see it as a recurring theme over and over. They don't know the difference. They don't know the difference between a debit and a credit card. They don't know how credit really works. They don't know the consequences and why everybody is trying to steer them away or, you know, once how to use it responsibly, how to use credit responsibly. So we just don't want to tell them like my parents did. They would say, Holly, don't don't keep using that credit card. OK, tell me why. Tell me why I sh could, shouldn't keep using this free money people giving me. <laughs> I'm paying it back. But you got you got you have to show them how to use it, how to use it responsibly and the consequences of their credit score and why that matters and what that means down the road um, so that they can start thinking about their future and their future selves, right? So um, we, we talk on different topics. So you can go again to the master playbook, click on the Smart Money Moves um, picture or image, and then it'll show you which topics we've already covered. Those replays I do offer. Uh, if people wanna just sign up and take them and watch them and take notes, their team, that stuff is available. And so we do that on a monthly basis. And then for the parents, I actually have an online course where you can go through it at your own pace. Um, it's called Raising Money Smart Adults. So it takes you through, again, the five money habits. The, these are like the basic building blocks you should make sure that they learn and master before they leave your household, right? to make sure they are equipped on um, all the things, but it gives you an opportunity as parents to insert and infuse your values. What are the things you care about most? What's your take on this? What's your expectation when it comes to saving and investing and all that stuff? So um, that's, that's an offering for parents. Awesome, Holly. You know, so many opportunities to and I love your approach. It's it's a holistic approach, right? Like you said, it deals it deals with giving. It deals with the different ages of um, youth. It deals with the parents. You cover the whole topic. You know, I think the only thing you need is a group for um, young Aggies, right? We do money management for young Aggies, right? Because we need to get y'all, you know, giving them donations back to the university. So given, I know. That's, <laughs> that's right. What up, Aggies? But <laughs> let's um, open up for discussion. We, we, we shared um, your link so people know where to find you. Thank you for hanging out with us. 
what you expect. We're going to kind of chill. We have our very own DJ Afro Sheen. She's going to rock out with us, you know, play, you know. People always think I'm making it up when I say she's 21 years old because she got soul, right? And, and she, 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 she mixed in all kinds of music. So we just kind of vibe with her. But let's do some discussion. Let's hear from the parents. And what I'm going to put in the chat is our event survey. I'm going to start doing it here. So feel free to... Um, you know, submit feedback on tonight's show. If you have any thoughts about guests you would like to see on the show, speakers or feedback, you know, if you want to, you know, tell Holly she's awesome, you know, send her an email and things like that. But, you know, just give us feedback so we can make the shows better. So let's do open. What questions do we have in the audience, Auburn? Me? Oh. oh well, <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't tell you that you were going to. You um, sure didn't. That you're gonna be putting surprise, questions. Arvin. <laughs> mm -hmm. All right. So now there's been a lot of um, activity in the chat. So you were definitely hitting on some, you know, truisms and things that people can really resonate with, and also taking us back to you know maybe some of our days in college, you know. They're like, hey, you get a free T-shirt if you sign up for this credit card. Oh, Lord. Not and the that's how it cards. begins. Ooh. Or free pizza, as I think Margaret said that in the chat. Yeah. And, yeah. And just to, to speak to that, thank God the laws have changed and, and they are a bit stricter now. Mm -hmm. So I know my days of A&T, they would set up at the student union, give out free T-shirts, water bottle, pizza parties to sign yep. up. Now the credit card companies aren't allowed to do that, thank goodness, but they find other ways. They find other ways. So now instead of the incentive of a pizza party or whatever, mm -hmm. now they are incentivizing our kids with, you know, reward points, right? Or mm -hmm. cash back or, you know, they, they find other ways or airline miles or, or whatever it is um, to paint this, this luxurious luxurious lifestyle when using um, their credit cards. And here's the thing that credit card companies um, don't tell you is that research shows that the, the very first credit card you get, you typically hang on to that thing for like at least a decade. That's what it is. I still have mine from right. college and, still. And do you know how much money they make off of us because we are so loyal to that very first credit card mm -hmm. from late fees or interest and all the things. But our kids have no idea. So we that you know this kind of stuff, you know if you have a teenager, go ahead and print off that credit card bill. I know everything electronic and we barely look at it ourselves. Pull it off and let them let talk about the different the credit card statement, walk them through it so they can see how this stuff really grows and keep them in trouble if they aren't careful with it. Yes. Okay, so I do see a question in the chat from Angela. She says that uh, you mentioned social media. Do you talk to kids about giving just to feel good, like digital gifts to creators? So I, I haven't, but I think that's an awesome um, topic or takeaway for me to talk about. But what I typically do is I'll talk to them about philanthropy, like what it means, why you should give, um, you know, not to be seen, not to be rewarded, not for praise, but because 
want to fulfill a need because it's a cause that you care about or you know something that you're specifically interested in so when when i think about giving the for these digital creators i would almost explain that to the kids like you're paying them for their content because that is what you're doing <laughs> you are you are rewarding them um for the value or the entertainment that they are delivering when i talk about giving i'm talking about giving from the heart giving to fulfill a need, giving to help a cause or further a cause. And what I found is the best way for us to talk to our kids about giving is to first talk to your kids about how you give. Like, mm -hmm. what are the things that you care about and how do you give? And um, we cover the three T's of giving. You give through your time, your talent, and your treasures, right? Your time, volunteering, your your talent, your the skills and abilities that you could actually be getting paid for. You're lending that to further something else along and then through your treasure. So your treasure doesn't always have to be money. It could be material possessions. So a great way to do that is look at all the stuff we accumulate year after year in our homes, garages, some people keep that stuff trapped up in the trunk of their cars. Clean that stuff out of there. <laughs> Donate it. Give it away. Give it a new home. Follow that first culture tag. Uh, what was it? Your trash is someone else's treasure. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, sorry about that, Afrosheen. I had to mute a little bit because I had asked everybody to mute themselves and then it kind of created a little background noise. So we're, we're going to wrap up in a few minutes. Um, let's do a, a few more questions with... Uh, Holly, and then we're going to jump into the music. So, um, so I think this has been a great. Let me, let me do a recap, and then um, well, there, there's we'll, actually another question in here. Oh, oh there's some more yes. questions. Okay, yeah. go ahead. Uh, right. What investment platform would you recommend for kids? Yes. Yeah, so for the kids, um, I act all anybody under eighteen, they have to have an adult, so they have to have a custodial account. Um, so the adult has to manage that account until the child is of age. But um, platforms that I like for beginners are stockpile.com. Um, I really love uh, Fidelity Investments because now they allow, um, you know, uh, partial shares. Like you don't have to pay full price for Amazon stock. You can buy a fraction of it and still mm. kind of get in the game on it. Um, because of all the stuff that was going on with Robinhood, I'm, I'm kind of, <laughs> kind of ixnay on Robin Hood right now. That's not one one that I recommend. But stockpile.com makes it easy because you can give your child a gift card and then they can go and either purchase a specific stock. Um, but I love them. And then there's also another site called giveashare.com where if you wanted to make a production out of it, like I did when when um I first started dating my husband. He loved Jordans, y'all. He loved Air Jordans. But listen, the holidays came around and we had only been dating for three months. I was not about to buy this man no $100 nothing, okay? <laughs> Hundreds of dollars of nothing. So I looked up Nike stock. It was $35. <laughs> I bought that man a share of Nike stock, had it framed, uh, put a little nice little caption on there. He was so impressed, and I'm sure that's why I'm the wife today. <laughs> <laughs> love it, love it. <laughs> so, 
So, Ren is representing Aggie Pride. He's saying Holly is the best speaker ever, and it's all this Aggie stuff. You know, y'all got to excuse him. But he's already talking about part two and everything like that. So, what are the questions we got for Holly? It seems like... There was uh, uh, one from the very beginning that mm -hmm. I think we overlooked with um, one of Margaret's uh, comments. Yep. But... Well, first of all, I want you to know, Holly, that Margaret subscribes to your newsletter, yes. and that's how I she found out about the event. So, um, but the question was, how young should we start to begin teaching financial principles? I would say as early as young as four, three and four, when they start asking for stuff, can I have, can I have, they are, they are old enough to understand there's been research that shows that um, kids' money habits are set by the time, by, by age seven. Y'all mm. hear me? Age seven. Because, let me, because the mind is a, is a tape recorder. They are watching. They are learning. They see us swiping and dipping, which is why they tell you, just go to the ATM machine. Just go use your card. They, they are so smart. They are so brilliant so they can start learning like the different coins the differentiation between coins they can start learning um the the relationship between hard work and being rewarded and the way you do that is through chores giving them things to do and the reward doesn't have to be money it could be their favorite treat or mm -hmm. it can be you know screen screen time or Whatever the reward that's appropriate for your household and for your budget, that's what you, what that, these are the things you can start doing to make these correlations. You can also start teaching them about saving. Mm -hmm. Saving is like one of the toughest money habits. I don't know, y'all can go Google the, um, the, oh, what was it called? The gummy bear challenge? Was it the gummy bear challenge? It was some kind of candy the celebrities were using and they would tell the child, they would give their toddler like they would put the candy in front yes, of Yes, I remember that one. And then they would leave the, the room. And it's based off of um, a research project called the Marshmallow Test. If y'all want to go look that up. But the, the research basically says if the child can uh, delay their gratification, if the child can be patient, and part of it, if you ask me, is obedience. If the child can be obedient and wait and have some self-control, that they will do better in life, like long-term when it comes to saving their money and be better money managers. Now, of course, even if your child takes the candy, you got enough time to correct <laughs> and give them time to practice. <laughs> um, I remember those challenges because they were so hilarious. I, I didn't know the background, right? I, all I could think is why are these parents torturing their children, right? The parent put the gummy bears out, they leave the room, and they leave the camera on, and these kids are doing all kinds of stuff. They laying, they steering, they smelling it. One kid picked up the gummy, licked it, and put it back, right? <laughs> so, so the kids were doing everything they could to try to be obedient, and as you said, not everybody was successful because it was about obedience, but I love that principle. Now, yeah. I, I got a discussion topic that I want to throw in there that I really, really can appreciate this, Holly, because what you remind me of is when I first moved to Atlanta. And I had a friend who um, had a nephew who was six years old. He had a Garmin, you know, everything's by his name, right? He had an iPhone, he had uh, a fire, whatever, whatever. The child had all of these things, right? 
And, and what I took away at that moment, I'm like, wow, times have changed to where we want to give our children all of these things extremely early. And it was coming from an okay place, maybe out of love, maybe we struggle, we don't want you to struggle, yeah. we want you to have. But what I've always felt in my gut was something is amiss. Mm -hmm. Something's missing. We're giving all of these things, but there's something out of balance. And that balance is that delayed gratification. Yep. That balances delayed gratification leads to everything. PhD process, jobs, keeping a job, not quitting, sports. It's, it, it's connected to so many things. So a part of our issue is, oh, let's give our children everything because we had to work too hard. But then we get upside down because now the children are in the opposite. They can't live two seconds without getting that thing. And the credit card people and the cash app people, they know that. So they take advantage of it. So I love and thank you for breaking it down for us tonight because you really helped me see this thing in a whole different way. And my son, like you said, he's exactly like you describe it. He watches so much so. He told the grandparents recently, my dad doesn't have an iPad. Well, he doesn't have an iPhone. He has an iPhone Pro Max, he says, right? And I'm like, where did he get that from, oh, right? Not an iPhone, but an <laughs> iPhone Pro Max. And then he asked the grandparents, what kind of iPhone y'all got? <laughs> <laughs> the grandpa said, I got Android Zero, right? So, so they do be watching, right? And I took him with me to get the phone, but I didn't think he was paying attention. But he was. And it's, it's a good point of beginning to teach these principles because this delayed gratification is connected to so much. So Miss Holly Reed Tootle, thank you for being here tonight. Thank you Thank for you being for yourself. Me. People have been blowing up my chat, telling me how awesome you are. We got to get you back. So I'm going to be bugging you because they want you to come back <laughs> and talk about anything. They're like, can you get a talk about making pizza? They just want you to come back, Holly. I'm just telling you right now. So, but thank y'all very much and feel free to hang out with us. I'm going to put that chat, the survey in the chat again because I'm going to try something different to get you guys to um, submit feedback. We really take that serious. So feel free to click on that. It'll take you about 30 seconds. DJ Afro Sheen, y'all, she's back, and she's here to bless us with the music. So thank y'all, Holly. Feel free to hang out with us, vibe, you know, while you cook or whatever, and listen to the music, but thank you for being here tonight. Thank you. This was awesome. I appreciate you guys. Follow me on social media. I want to get to know more of you guys. Thank you for joining us at Southern Soul Livestream Talk Show. Join us weekly at soullivestream.com. If you're joining us live, we'll take a quick music break and then come back for discussion with the audience.